0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Full Binaka and welcome to another week of Can You Be More Pacific? My name is Sarah Nangama and I'm joined by the second smartest man I know. Also, my media bestie. Dean
0: Halitau. how to everyone, and welcome to the show. It's great to be here. Thank you, Sarah, second smartest person you know. We've got lots coming up in the next hour. Take a look back at the week in sport. We chat with Steve Meredith from the NRL, and we've got a new question for You Can Ask That. There's plenty to get through. As always, what's been happening in the life of Sarah?
1: Oh, there's always a bit going on in the world of Sarah Nangama, but some really exciting news. How did a uh, happening... In the background, um, but now I can publicly announce that I have signed with a super rugby club in New Zealand and will be heading to Christchurch in
0: 2023 to play for Matatu. Oh, well done. Congratulations. That's good news. <laughs> thank it's you, very good family. News. Thank you, thank you. What are you most looking forward to about uh, a change of competition and heading over there?
1: I think you just nailed it there. I am looking forward to being in a new environment, playing alongside new girls, and the the squad that they have is just full of girls that have played in um, the most recent World Cup and the Black Ferns is obviously the world's best. So to kind of be in that environment um, and sit under um, Whitney Hansen, who is the assistant coach, also Steve Hanson's daughter, I think I'm just going to learn so much and we'll come back a better player. So looking forward to being in a new environment. Also to be able to say that I've lived and played overseas, I think is a bit of a flex. Um, but it's, it's, it's daunting, I guess, leaving home and everything that I know. But, um, the hope is that the body will hold up and I'll come back and play Super W with the Waratahs too.
0: Did you mention the team? What's the team? Matatu. Matatu. Well done. And there's 105 um, girls that have been contracted so far. Is that correct?
1: Yes, that is correct. And we're spread over four teams. So it's a, it's a short campaign similar to Super W, um, so it's, it'll be so exciting. Like every week you'll be playing against stacked sides and I think it'll be very different for me as well. Like playing for the Waratahs has been undeniably one of the best things ever. Um, to have happened in my rugby career, but being at the pinnacle or being at the top team for quite some time, I think it will be a different challenge to go over and, um, kind of have to grind it out each week. So yeah, lots to look forward to though, nonetheless.
0: Well, I'm going to want a hucker too. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm gonna a to that.
1: Yeah. I got to, ch- I got to, um, start practicing my pukana.
0: Yes. That's a, a very, uh, important part of, of performing a hucker is having a strong pukana. But, uh, you're still going to be on the show, which is really good for our listeners.
1: Yes, absolutely. This show is a big part of my life too, <laughs> um, and thankfully, uh, the people at the top have agreed um, for me to stay on the show while I'm over there. So we will continue recording remotely. I'll have, you know, improved software and uh, devices to make sure that the quality is strong. Um, but you'll never, you'll, you won't miss this husky
0: voice. It ain't going anywhere. You know, you've made it when uh, there's investment in software and equipment. <laughs> <laughs> to do a remote recording, so what am saying. I mean, look
1: at the talent. Look at the talent, <laughs> my brother. But enough about me. What's been happening in your world?
0: Ah, oh, world is is as per normal. I actually had a 40th birthday on the weekend. I often hear about your stories of nights out, but I had a... a 40th. That's really telling of where you're yeah, at in life I'm, right now. I'm, I'm going to have a few of those coming up, but I had one on, uh, <laughs> on Saturday night, and uh, my wife joined me at this 40th, and uh, we kind of... Set the tone very early that we're going to have some fun, and it was a a long and messy night. Shout out to my mate uh, Mitchell Clayton, who's a good friend of mine from school. Yes, Um, and he can throw a good party and bring people together. So it was fun. Very good night. How was the head? Uh, The head was okay. The next day, nice. Still have to be a dad in the morning, and you know that's got to get your head straight straight away. (laughs) Yes, I mean, yeah, your your daddy duties—they don't leave you. That's right.
1: Over to our top the story for this week. The support of Samoa has been plentiful in the lead up to the Rugby League World Cup final. So much so that Dwayne the Rock Johnson, who is much loved and a very proud Samoan, was uh, was how would you say it? was was sought after by many fans on Instagram, trying to get him to do a shout out video on uh, Insta, and they were successful.
0: Yeah, the power of the people on power social media. Power of the people. Medium. I like that. Power of the people got the Rock on board, and uh, yeah, as far as stars go in the world. Rock is is fairly up there and uh, he had some really nice words to say uh, for the Samoan team in words of encouragement.
2: Man, here we go. I am delivering this message with boundless love and boundless reverence and respect and boundless pride for my boys, my Usos, the Toa Samoa rugby team they are going to the men's final of the rugby league world cup this is a big deal they are making history in the world of sports in the world of rugby it, this is the first time that uh, our island our country our culture of samoa has ever gone to the finals uh for any sport they are making history and i could not be more proud of them we could not be more proud of them and I, 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 I'm, I just want to say a few things. First of all, I want to thank all the fans, by the way, around the world. Um, thank you to uh, all the players who have reached out to me, who buzz me. Uh, I've been so snowed under and so busy with all the other shit that I have going on uh, that I finally got the word. And I wanted to jump on this, send a message. This Saturday is the big game. There are two things, a few things that I want to share with you guys. Um, And I know you have so much on your mind right now. Pressure, pressure, pressure. The pressure to deliver, the pressure to perform. You have the world watching and you have so much on your shoulders. Right now you are proud grandsons, proud sons, proud husbands, proud fathers, proud teammates, proud brothers, proud Usos. Pressure, I understand what it's like to have pressure. I understand what it's like to do stuff where the world is watching. So a few things that I always think about when it comes to scenarios like this. It happened when I was playing football. It happened when I was wrestling for some of the biggest WrestleManias of all time. It happened in this crazy world of Hollywood. It happens outside of Hollywood in all these other industries. But when it comes to pressure and when it comes to delivering, where you have so many people relying on you and you have it all on your shoulders, I understand. There's a few things that I always thinking about. I always think about and I want you guys to think about this too. And I know you got a lot of stuff on your mind. Number 1 is grit. Grit. There's a term that you guys know. It's called fa'asamoa. And when I was growing up, my grandfather Haichi Peter Maivia, my grandmother Leah Maivia, even my mom Ata, still today we talk about grit. Uh, there's a term, Fa'a Samoa. Now I know my Samoan <laughs> my, always needs some improvement, as I'm always learning. Um, but that is the one term, the, one of the many Samoan terms that I always embody. Because to me, my grandfather always taught me that, yes, Fa'a Samoa is proud of who you are, where you come from, what's in your blood, what's in your DNA, what's deep in here, your mana. Um, that's the thing that separates us from everyone else. But it also means grit. And it's the grit, the drive, that force that you operate as if your backs are up against the wall and there is nowhere to go but ahead, but forward. It's grit I think about, and the other one is legacy. And, the other th- and when it comes to legacy, you guys are defining your legacy right here, right here, right now. And when I think about legacy, I think about my grandfather, I think about my dad, the soul man, Rocky Johnson. I think about my grandparents, all my ancestors, all your ancestors, our ancestors are watching. History is watching, but our ancestors are always watching. So when you take that field this Saturday in Manchester, and you have that grit, and your DNA is just full of our Samoan pride and culture, And you think about that legacy and the legacy that you guys want to define because there's two sides to legacy. Number one is the side that you've already made history. You've already made history. You've arrived. You've arrived. But the other side of the legacy, and this is the special side, is when you take that field in Manchester, you leave it all out on the field and you win. That's the other side to legacy. And I got goosebumps right now. I don't know if you guys could see that. But well, I was there with you guys on Saturday, I put on a tour Samoa jersey and I would play. I'd take that field. Man, I'd be running that rock with you guys. I'd probably get my ass kicked, <laughs> but that's okay. Grit, legacy, uh, my Usos, I love you. I'm so proud of you. We are all so proud of you. Take that field, make history. And win. I just scared the shit out of the neighbors, but
1: that's okay. It's good for them.
0: Win. Love you, Usos. He took some time to do that. I like that. He, he put some thought into that and he and he took his time. It wasn't just a quick, hey, good luck.
1: wasn't the 30-second Swish video that you get paid $20 <laughs> for. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he really put some heart into it. He was talking about ancestors and, and doing the nation proud. And, uh, no, it's actually quite special. It's just awesome to know that there's that much support being... Um, Um, summoned in support of our boys because they did do quite a historic thing at the Rugby League World Cup final.
0: Yeah, they did. And uh, I guess well done, The Rock, for for acknowledging that and for for – Jump into everyone's requests, and he wasn't just the only one. There was a number of NFL players, some um, on heritage NFL players that uh, chucked into it. Tonga Valoa, the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, he had some um, some comment or some words on his Instagram for the team as well as uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, who he put a post up after the game, just saying how proud he was so cool. of the nation he plays with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs as a receiver. So it's great to have that love and support from across the other side of the world for them.
1: Yes, because when one wins, we all win.
0: Speaking of which, the World Cup uh, in Rugby League took place, the finals in both the men's and the women's on the weekend and uh, the men's final, speaking of the the rock and the message for the Samoan team, uh, to Samoa, who have carried quite a bit of um, support over the last fortnight, particularly after their upset semi final win over England. And, yeah, there, there was a lot of social media hype around this game and around what it, meant, it would mean for them to, to come out on top. Western Sydney over New Zealand in, in, in Auckland, around um, some of the suburbs there. There was so much colour and, uh, you know, support for for the Samoan team. Unfortunately, they lost 30 points to 10. It was a very strong and dominant performance from the Australian team.
1: Yes, the Kangaroos uh, were dubbed to be the favourite, but everyone was hoping that someone could get the job done. But you look at the likes of who they had in that team, James Tedesco, Nathan Cleary, just, uh, sorry, Latrell Mitchell, they were on fire um, and on form. And dare I say they played their best game at the final. And unfortunately it was just too much for Tor Samuel. but so much to be taken from this campaign, particularly the men's. And um, how someone was able to turn that around from that 16 0 whooping at the very beginning to a cup final and making a historic um, entry into a final at a World Cup is just something that you couldn't script at the beginning
0: of this tournament. Yeah, certainly not. It's a huge step forward, as you say, for Summer And uh, for Australia, it was their third straight World Cup win. So they've been, uh, you know, seriously dominant in, in the World Cups of late uh, 2008 to go back to when New Zealand won. So that was, um, you know, it was an expected victory for, for Australia, but there was plenty to, to like about the way the international game developed through the entire tournament.
1: I have a question. Obviously, this year's World Cup was postponed from last year, so does that mean the next one will be in three years or will it yeah, jump I think to so. another four? I think it is going okay. to be
0: taking place in 2025. Watch this space. Now, the World Cup for women in rugby league, uh, Australia, again, the Jillaroos in the final up against New Zealand. This was another World Cup replay of the finals. Uh, We've seen in the pool matches that it was a really tight match. The Australian team come out on top 10 points to eight. But unfortunately for New Zealand, they weren't able to foot it with them for for the entirety of this match. It was, again, a really dominant display by the Jillaroos. who boasted plenty of NRLW experience. They managed to get the win 54 points to four. Really pleasing to see Kennedy Cherrington King Chero. She crossed the line for two tries and it was in quick succession. They were like four minutes apart. So um, huge performance from her and the, and the joy that she shows for the game. You can see in her celebrations, Evanya Politi, she got a try as well. Our third World Cup, Cup win straight again for the Gillaroos. Too, too impressive.
1: Yeah, Kenny definitely has been on fire and I've loved witnessing her journey from afar. We know earlier this year she missed out on origin selection and she clawed her way back through NRLW and then to see her being able to lift Silver at a World Cup and also get two tries is a huge, huge moment for her and another girl that was on fire was Politi she scored a try and it went a little like this Australia shipped the ball out wide it's picked up there by Polite. New Zealand really having to get on top there in defence and polite still not down. Incredible, incredible stuff. Also, this becomes the Jill Roo's third straight World Cup title. And uh, Ali Briginshaw she was named uh, Woman of the Match, and my goodness, she impressed.
0: Yeah, she, she's had a couple of young halves this year, and the NRLW sort of creep up behind her in terms of I guess laying claims to be the best half in the game, and she partnered up with Taryn Aiken in this match, and uh, they're both uh, from Brisbane and both really handy. But Ellie Briganshaw, she she's such a clutch player, she's experienced, and uh, she showed why uh, she's one of the best in the world on that in that game on the weekend.
1: Bit of yarns about her being a little bit too old, and uh, she clapped back and said, "Well, World
0: Cups only three cup three years away, so I think we will we're going to expect to see her there again." I've got no doubt she'll be there again now. Turning our attention to the AFLW, and we're nearing uh, the the big one. The Brisbane uh, Lions took on Adelaide on the weekend. They managed to get the win 7-4-46 to Adelaide's 3-5-23. 23, 23, I should say. And Jessie Wardlaw continues her goal-scoring ways, picking up two. And uh, we've got one here that we can listen to. And that's a 50-metre penalty. So here you go. Jess Wardlaw with this shot. She's 20 metres out. She's on a 45-degree angle to the right. Jess Wardlaw, straight through the middle. And a new record for Jess Wardlaw of the Brisbane Lions. The most goals scored in an AFLW season, including finals. She's now got 22.
1: Brisbane Lions, they're way too strong and they've now booked their place in the grand final, which will take place at the sparkling new Springfield facility next Sunday.
0: Yes, a take on the Melbourne Demons. So we're expecting a, a pretty big clash here. Melbourne have been pretty good for the majority of this season and as have Brisbane. So it's, uh, I guess, uh, where you thought things would end up and Jessie Wardle, with that record, pretty impressive from the, from the young woman.
1: Yeah, I really want to meet her and become besties. I don't think she wants <laughs> want to be my friend, but it's probably a little bit too early. No, it's actually not early. Who Who is saying is going to take out this final? I'm going Brisbane Lions because I'm a big fan of Courtney Hodder yeah. and I want to see them get up. Yeah, and think, obviously Wardlaw
0: as well. Yeah, we, we've covered so much of their success this year and uh, I think uh, they can get the job done.
1: Yes. Brunel, our producer. I agree 100%. It's,
3: it's going to be Brisbane's to lose. Oh, there we go. oh, the pressure, God. the pressure's oh, just that. mounted.
1: A bold statement. That's why we like confidence. That's confidence. <laughs> Now over to the game they play in heaven. Men's rugby international matches uh, continued throughout the weekend and the match that we definitely want to highlight is Tonga versus Uruguay. They won 43 to 19. This is huge. Uh, Tonga have been uh, on tour in the Northern Hemisphere and have come out on top. They beat Spain, Chile and Romania and the last one um, that they had to get done was against Uruguay the final score was 43 to 19. This is a really promising tour unlike the Wallabies because they have already solidified their place in the World Cup so this kind of Preparation, these kind of wins will only place them in good stead to be competitive and put their best foot forward.
0: Do you think with those score lines, they're obviously pretty big score lines. It looks you, like the Rugby League World Cup score lines <laughs> you're you talking wonder, about. You, but you <laughs> wonder about preparation for a World Cup. You, you want to be having some uh, opportunity to test yourself, right? And, and and even though they're going up against some pretty decent competition, Euro no no slouch in, in rugby. And um, if they get those big victories, you reckon that sort of. Gives them a false sense of where they're at, maybe leading into World Cup, or are they sweet? They're just playing really well.
1: I think it's just taking what you can get. I think for Tonga, rugby, they would have had to seek out some international test matches in these other nations that had um, agreed to. Are there tougher opponents out there? Yes. Do I believe that Rugby World Cup is a lot tougher than this tournament? Yes. Um, but this preparation, no doubt, is is not wasted, and I think uh, Tonga will take this and uh, use it as ammunition as they head into the 2023 test
0: season. Well, can't wait to see them go around next year. And what other uh, results were happening around the world? of international rugby.
1: Yes, a few others that took place was Samoa against Romania where they came out 22-0, which was amazing for them. Uh, the Flying Fijians took on the France Barbarians and defeated them 46-14. to England v All Blacks. Now, this was a match that had everyone on the edge of their seat and the final score was 25-25. This is huge. The All Blacks have had a very up-down season. They were very winless at the very beginning of it. They started to pick up a couple wins and then to come out and have their last match like this against a side like England, sorry, is just, um, it's a bittersweet
0: pill to swallow. 25-25 against England in the Northern Hemisphere. It's its tough. You take some that is tough. away from that, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. its um, It was uh, far from ideal because they just... Uh, the All Blacks really were in control for majority of this game. Their set piece was on fire. Their number 10 was just orchestrating plays left, right and centre. However, it was in the last 10 minutes that they really let England back into the game, which levelled out the scores. So it makes you, I, I assume when they do review, it would be very frustrating to watch it knowing that they, all they had to do was play it safe um, and, and yeah, just keep the ball in. But unfortunately they didn't choose to go down that path and they ended up with a equal scorecard. Yeah, hate draws. Yeah, not the one. But – the game that I'm most passionate about and the one that I really, really want to talk about because we've been so painstakingly close but not close enough was the game between Ireland and the Wallabies. Spring tour continues and Australia falls short
0: 13-10, Ireland's way. What's what's happening in this game for the Wallabies? I've read that they're, they weren't... Um, they were very erratic in their, in their um, performance. Though. They weren't, I guess, on the same page uh, a lot of the time. What, what went wrong from this occasion? One thing
1: that we need to absolutely talk about is the injuries that they currently have in the Wallabies. There are, I saw an article put up this week where they could literally list one to 23 and, and people in those genuine positions who are currently missing from the fold. Um, This is hugely frustrating. Ireland though, must we know they are currently number one in the world. It was always going to be a tough competition. But what the Wallabies have shown throughout all their test matches so far against Scotland, against France, against Italy is they get in it. They're just not closing out the games. And a big part of that has
0: to do with their decision-making. Yeah, right. And uh, I guess when you do have injuries, but and you're not got the same the consistent side on the field – then it is really hard to, to get those combinations better down and to um, get any sort of rhythm with the way you're playing rugby as well.
1: Yeah, there's just a few players that are, are really missing from this. Like Rob Valentini, he's been outstanding for the Wallabies. He returns home with a syndesmosis injury. Nick White, um, Quade Cooper, Samu Karevi, Lala Fakedi, Like these are names of players that we've highlighted throughout their tier season who are now missing. And does that mean that it makes anything better? No, it doesn't um, because that means they will have to heal very quickly um, to be able to get back out there. But not all hope is lost. The 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 Wallabies have one more test match against the Wallabies. Oh sorry, against Wales this weekend. So hopefully they can turn it around because I think at this point, um, Rennie probably has more more to answer for than he thinks. Last
0: match of their spring tour. So yes, but I love cross.
1: Dave Rennie. I'm a big fan of Dave Rennie. I think the Wallabies are still very much in reach of lifting a cup next year, but they'll need to pull some things together quite quickly.
0: You heard it here first from Sarah. They could do it next year.
1: Now. I'm very passionate about rugby. You're passionate about league, but there's another sport that takes up your heart and your mind, and that has to be the NFL.
0: Yeah, the NFL. It takes up a lot of my time um, researching things that I don't know a lot about, but I've learned slowly. And anyway, we went, went into week 11 uh, of the NFL this week, so it's getting towards playoff time and uh, you know, the business end of the season over there. Uh, the match I want to highlight is the New York Jets taking on the New England Patriots. Now, it was a bit of a bludger of a match. It was three all all the way through up until the last uh, five seconds of the match. and Five seconds. Last five seconds of the match. So it was like two field goals separated. It was one field goal each for the entirety of the match. Uh, New York Jets put a punt, so they got to their fourth down. They needed to get rid of the ball. There was still time on the clock, and the way they did that was punt down the other end of the field, hopefully go into extra time uh, and then get a chance to win it there. But the punt return, Marcus Jones catches it for the New England Patriots and he scampers all the way up the sideline through all the defenders and runs an 84-yard punt return. It's the first punt return uh, touchdown this year, uh, and uh, he ended up winning the game. There's five seconds left on the clock. They kicked the, the extra point after that. They ended up winning 10 points to three, so a really um, exciting impressive. way to finish it. Yeah. It, was, it was the only excitement for the match. It was on the last five seconds, but still um, pretty, pretty cool for Marcus Jones, who's a rookie, to be able to do that.
1: Onwards and upwards to the Patriots.
0: And a last mention for Philadelphia Eagles. They've been traveling really well this year. They were unbeaten up until week 10. Um, They were done there, but they managed to get back in the winner's circle uh, against the Indianapolis Colts. On the weekend, they managed to win 17 points to 16. So another low-scoring, close match, and they came from behind late in the second half to get that victory, led by their quarterback, Jalen Hurts. Uh, so a, a good win there for the Philadelphia Eagles, who are well and truly sitting on top of the, the ladder at the moment, With um, even though there's all these different divisions and that, but they're, they're right at the top. Win, win-loss column, they're doing pretty well. Talanoa Time.
1: On Can You Be More Pacific.
0: Yes, joining us uh, for all time is Steve Meredith. He is the General Manager of Community Programs at the National Rugby League, and I've had the pleasure of working alongside Steve for a number of years. I actually um, played at the same club as one of his brothers when we were younger, and I've crossed paths with a lot of his family. He's an all-around good guy, and he's a rugby league man. Steve, thanks for joining us on Can You Be More Pacific?
3: Thanks for having me, team. Off up.
0: Steve, I guess I'll start by um, getting you to share with the listeners uh, your background, where you're from, and a little bit about your family.
3: Yeah, awesome. Uh, yeah, so I I was born in Samoa, uh, Matutu Hospital in Upolu. There, uh, my village is uh, in in Uh I lived in Samoa for uh, what for four years, and then we migrated to New Zealand, South Auckland, Mangere, to uh, where we um, where we grew up. By um, at the time with my my older brother, uh, we. I guess we, we played our first game of football at Manukau Magpies there uh, in in South Auckland, and then at the age of uh, twelve, I we moved over here um, to Australia uh, into Western Sydney, um, and played my junior league rugby league at Maryland Rams uh, there. Um, I've got three siblings: uh, older brother, two younger brothers, and a younger sister. Um, and uh, yeah, we've um, we've been in Sydney ever since, uh, and. Currently, I have three daughters and am married uh, to beautiful Alexandra.
1: What are, you have it all going on. It sounds like you have such a beautiful life now also.
3: It is. Uh, very, very blessed uh, to, to live here in Australia, but to also have a loving family and, um, of course, being involved in uh, the space of sport for development through the great game of rugby league.
1: I love it. You mentioned that you moved to Western Sydney when you were 12 years old, obviously being grown um sorry uh, growing up in South Auckland and moving to Western Sydney. I'm sure that was a bit of a culture shock for you.
3: It was. As you could imagine, you know, uh everything was at walkable distance. Aunties and uncles lived around the corner. So I remember I recall moving um driving from Sydney to Marylands. It felt like I was I was driving back to New Zealand. <laughs> marylands but you know quickly um i, I must admit i i owe it, you know a, a lot to uh the local rugby league club in terms of uh my connection to cultures from you know people from from other cultures i I'd, I'd never known a lebanese person in um in in south auckland there i i'd never you know met um uh, people from different religions but you know through as you can imagine growing up in marylands it was uh was exposed to so many cultures, which um, you know enhanced my my support networks, and um, yeah, got to got to, to know a lot of people uh, outside of my uh, my Pacifica community.
1: I love that you've um. You've explained the diversity that currently exists in Western Sydney back then, and even still today, moving on to your professional career at the age of 20, you went to debut for the Roosters. What was that experience like for you? Also remembering the upbringing you had down in South Auckland, moving over to Sydney, culture shock. And then now you get this massive opportunity to put on uh, the jersey and represent on the first grade level.
3: Yeah, look, it was a a childhood dream. I I had, you know, watching Friday night football in, in Auckland, um, you know, I, I did have that dream from a, from a young age. And so, um, you know, it was a lot of hard work as a young young fellow uh, coming through the junior systems and to, yeah, to debut on Good Friday um, with some close mates that I, I grew up with as well in the, the junior league here and, um, in Sydney was, yeah, was a, 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 a great achievement for me and, and my community, my family and the support networks. Um, however, it didn't last very long, as you've probably probably no. I, I actually um tore my acls um one acl in my debut and um and i had a partially torn acl on the other knee which um uh that following week I, I had bilateral knee reconstructions after um after that game so it was short-lived but um certainly a a, a, a great achievement for my family and, and myself
1: yeah, injuries absolutely suck, and particularly when it ends a career. But although that may have been a short stint, what I know you had a long stint in was in 2008. You played for Newtown in the New South Wales Cup Grand Final, which has also gone down in history as the longest game um, in rugby league history itself, with the game going over a hundred minutes. Can you give us a bit of an insight into what the game <laughs> was like that day?
3: Yeah, look, and I, and I did play front row, so it was it was a long. It game. felt hell long. <laughs> <laughs> Look it was with the mighty blue bags uh newtown jets uh which was uh feeded to the roosters there and it was a great uh yeah great memory you know uh in golden golden point there it just kept dragging on and on um but yeah it was against uh the wentworthville uh the Parramatta eels reggies there against uh my fellow uh, colleague there joey nullllbal so uh they yeah they eventually, got the field goal after I think it was about five attempts in Golden Point. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it was a memorable game, and obviously, people continue to talk about it uh, to this day. But it was, um, yeah, I must admit, when they kicked that field goal, part of me was upset and part of me was relieved. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I didn't, uh, yeah, there was no attempt for me to at field goal, but there was a lot of tackling in, in that, um in that extra time. Hardest worker. I,
0: I do remember a number of really ordinary attempts for field goal. People were having cracks from uh, a long way away and they just dribbling along the ground. It wasn't the most um, clinical display of drop goal attempts, was it?
3: <laughs> That's right. That's right. I think fatigue kicked in after the second second field goal. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, memorable game. And big ups to the Newtown Jets, great club
0: good club the blue bags as you mentioned now uh moving forward you, you work as i said, said in your intro you work at the nrl and you have done for a long time can you tell us about um your journey into working for the nrl and, and in particular the work that you the great work that you do in the community
3: yeah look yeah i think that, that direction that I, I took um obviously for every young player playing footy when i tore my acls there, i was out for some time i ended up having actually um after that Newtown game, I think I would had my sixth knee operation, and then went on to have my seventh. And I think it it really um, pointed me in the direction of um, of community. Uh, I got I had a lot of time while I was playing to to um, give to community, and um, and so I I, I took up a, um, I started my teaching degree while I was playing, and my eyes opened up to this opportunity of of how strong and massive this vehicle is of rugby league to. Um, to speak to young people in a way that you know little else can so i um i took that journey after i hung up the boots i uh, started my administration career at the new south wales rugby league as a multicultural development officer and then uh, over the years there uh um, developed initiatives and, and programs there to uh, particularly working with um with youth from diverse backgrounds and then a few years later, I joined the NRL, and um, yeah, fast forward what 12 years now. This is my 12th season um, being involved in, in community development through through the NRL. So um, yeah, really uh, rewarding space, um, but also something that you know we often talk about the great things that happen on the footy field, but there's there's so many great things that happen off the field through the game and, and the players and the communities that are that are involved.
0: Yeah, it's it's well said, and, and I know the, a lot of the work that you and your team do is is, is reaching a lot of people and 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 really um, spreading rugby league amongst some diverse communities, as you say. Now, in the Pacific, we, we've we've known this for a long time now that there's such a an interest in rugby league, and uh, rugby league does a great job at connecting people. Can you tell us and our listeners about um, your your sort of thoughts on where rugby league's headed in the region and sort of the impact that it's having?
3: Yeah, look, I. I... It's as as it's, it's it's really obvious. We've seen uh, you know through the World Cup the 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 rise of the Pacific uh, over the last few years on the field. Uh, we've seen a lot of talent, um, a lot of maturity too, in in the ways and the the roles in which uh, Pacific people play on the footy field. Uh, they're our superstars today. Um, but what's um, emerging more and more is the um, the, the influence that Pacific people have off the field as well, um, and particularly in, in communities. And so uh, you mentioned there, um, you know, we the NRL have a Pacific outreach program there in Papua New Guinea, uh, Fiji, Samoa uh, and Tonga, um, you know, fully run programs that that aim to support, you know, social and health outcomes for uh, community communities, particularly young people uh, in those nations. Um, and so that's something that, you know, the Games recognise that not only, you know, do, do the Pacific people bring talent on the footy field, the, the Luwais, the Toos, the Crichtons, um, but there's also an opportunity for us to to be able to support the communities of, of where these, these players come from. And so it's, um, it's been a, a really good um, vehicle for us over the last few years, um, both here in, in Australia, but also uh, there in the, those Pacific nations to, to really make a difference. And governments uh, have recognized that as a, a great vehicle. And, and so do our supporters um, of, of our community initiatives.
1: That is so well said. And, you know, we're really grateful to be able to have you on the show today to talk about not only your journey, but the work that you're doing, which is so important. Uh, Before we let you go, Steve, we love to run a segment with our guest called Tivon. It's 60 seconds of rapid fire questions. Would you be down to play before you leave us? Sure. Amazing. All right. The clock is on. Do you have a hidden talent? I play guitar. <laughs> Who would play you in the movie of your life? The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Conditioning or weights? Swim. Swim? <laughs> okay. Swim. What was the best job you ever, oh sorry, what was the worst job you ever had?
3: Uh, delivering mail in South Auckland. <laughs>
1: no, Ted. What's your favourite drink?
3: Uh, orange juice.
1: When are you most productive?
3: When I've got my headphones on and Dean doesn't annoy me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yappy yappy! this one. Sunrise or sunset? Sunset. What, re- what reality TV show would you go on?
3: Uh, the Block.
1: Thongs or Slides? Slides. What would be your spy name?
3: Uh, Mero. Would
1: you, ever sta- would you ever try stand-up comedy? No. What was your worst subject at school?
3: Maths.
1: <laughs> Maths. Don't worry. That makes two of us, my friend.
0: <laughs> Steve, thanks very much for joining us on the show. It's been great, as Sarah said, to, to hear about your story, about uh, the work that you're doing. And, um, you know, we look forward to seeing how far rugby league can reach in the Pacific.
3: Thanks for having me, team, and keep up the great work.
1: That was Steve Meredith, General Manager of Community Programs at the NRL. You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete on Can You Be More Pacific.
0: Yes, time for our favourite segment, Sarah. We get a question from a listener about something in the world of sport that um, we can speak from the perspective of a former player or a current player such as yourself. And uh, I like this one because uh, I've never really thought about it before, but uh, the question comes from Chia in Ashfield uh, in Sydney. And the question is, what's your technique for memorising and teaching yourself new plays before an upcoming game? That is a great question. Very technical.
1: Very technical. Something that is missing in my game. (laughs) (laughs) Um, fantastic question. I mean, bringing it down to like personal experience, I'm a second roller and I'm a line out leader. So I often have to call the line. Um, and often I find that I'm kind of the, one of the last to really understand the plays or if we're doing, you know, call a and line out, I'm always scraping what's happening in my frame being Like, which one, which one is this one? And so I learned this really good skill, right? Post-it notes. And then I put one to eight and then I, and I line it up. How I would, I would have my hooker that's standing, like, you know, obviously ready to throw. Then I have my one and my three as the bookends. And then I move the post-it notes. Like I'll think of a play and then I'll move the post-it notes. And then because I'm a, even though I'm a second row, I can either be playing four or I could be playing five. And my role still differs whether I'm four or five. So then I'll do it from the role of a five. Then I'll do a role of a four. And then I'll get someone to be like, you know, I'll say chuck me a, you know, say a line out and they'll give me the play and then I'll just like move it that way. So post-it notes for me have been hugely beneficial and also a saving grace in my so far short rugby
0: career. That's awesome. I like that technique. It's kind of like, uh, you see those movies where the coach pulls a salt and pepper shaker on the table and they they move things around, but I like that.
1: Yeah. Even in our Wallaroos team room, we have a a carpet, like a, a, like a kid's kind of size carpet of the field. And then we have cups and they have, um, they're covered in the, like the jersey of whatever opposition we're playing that week. So it could be the Black Ferns or it could be the Red Roses. And yeah, you, you, we kind of do it that way. And it's good because it helps you visualize. And for a lot of us, um, we are visual owners. Like you can't just tell us, oh, I want, you know, the 12 to run out the back of the 10 and pick up the ball. And then like, that makes no sense to anyone, but you put objects in front of us. You do diagrams, you pull out post-it notes and it's an effective way of learning. And I think that's like a really important thing to note is that every single play is really different, but you've got to find what works for you and do it um, often so that you can really nail those plays. Cause I tell you what, and it even happens at the highest level is you can go into games and not have clarity and it shows and it can be quite confronting when, when you don't know your stuff and, um. Yeah, when it's game time,
0: it looks clumsy when it doesn't. Yeah, work it just right. you
1: know, it makes you cringe. Like I cringe at myself too, being like, "You missed your job, sis," <laughs> and
0: everyone saw it. Yeah, so I, that's mine. I, I like that, and and similar. When I was when I was playing, it was uh, we we'd do a lot of like teamwork preparation where our coaches and that would would come up with our game plan, but they'd run through plays uh, on like a they'd they do up like a, a diagram on on their computer or on a Word document or whatever and put it up on the screen, and we'd just go through the different phases that it, that happened in a set. Of six that we might be playing from different parts of the field so it was all done by diagrams then we'd have some um vision of actual plays so live play or, or whatever uh, has happened in the game to, to show it or like demonstrate it how it might work or what we're trying to achieve by doing that play and then we'd probably break it up into smaller units where we'd go out and start practices so it's here's what the game plan is, here's how it looks in diagram, here's what it looks like in practice like with actual game footage, and then let's go out and practice it. That was kind of the way in which we bettered down our our game plans. Um, I do remember a number of coaches that uh, we'd, before a game, we'd have the opposition who we're playing against and and we'd have a, a game sheet or a preparation sheet where we'd have points about every opposition player, but then we'd have our game plan below that, and then we'd just write down what our roles were in each of the different sets that we might play throughout a game, um, yardage sets, uh, transition sets, good ball sets, all the different sort of cool. situations you find yourself in. Uh, the hardest for me was when I was playing like a number of different positions. If I was in like a utility role for a game where I play hooker, lock, back row. Jack of all trades, my boy. Of master of none. I'd, I'd, have <laughs> learn, I'd have to learn yeah, a bunch of different roles, yeah, but you do it enough, you get used to it. But yeah, I'm, I agree with you that visual learning as well as being told is, is really important. I just
1: want to quickly add girls have learned very differently to boys and every coach that I've ever kind of been coached by has always said the same thing, that the way that girls respond compared to boys is so different. Girls will ask 10 million questions before they apply themselves to so the drills where that Whereas we told a boy, oh, this is the drill. And they're just like, yeah, whatever, okay, I can do this. Yeah. But And I know it in myself. Like if you give me a new drill, I want to know exactly why I'm doing it, in what situation I would find myself doing it before I apply myself. But I promise you, like the next time we come around to that drill the following week or the next session – We'll just apply ourselves because we understand it. So girls are quite different in that sense. And um, at the is what we also have is called in-store sessions. So often you get to training and you waste so much. Because we ask so many questions, you can sometimes waste the time of the drill. Yeah. And so the coaches um, introduced a session called in-stores where we basically have to walk through what the drill is got to be so when we come back that afternoon, we can just get into it and there's no questions.
0: Uh, Funny, that, eh? That, that's good. It's <laughs> it's good to – like. You can waste time when you when you're doing a session, and it can get away from you. That's I've spoken to a few um, coaches at the moment that are, are really working on um, quarantining time within their session, so that it doesn't get away from them, and they don't have too much dead time or wasted time. Uh, they can get through the session. It works for recovery and it also works for making sure that they're just not overloaded with information. But that was a really good question from Chia.
1: Yeah, thank you, Chia. And to all of our other listeners, if you have a question, please feel free to send it through to us. We're both on Instagram, and my handle is at Sarah Nangalma and you can find this guy at Dean Hallitau. <laughs> Can you be more pacific on ABC Radio Australia? Oh my god.
0: You're with Sarah and Dean talking all things sport across the Pacific.
1: Don't go anywhere, we've still got our favourite socials and we tackle the tough headlines in the rock.
3: Can you be more pacific? Keeping it social
1: keeping it so, 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 so social. That's what I do. do, 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 do.
0: <laughs> that's a new sting.
1: Yeah. That's a new sting. Really. All I have to say, I'm just, I'm just so good at this. <laughs> I'm just so good at my job. Uh, hollers, social, love it. I spent a lot of time. Actually, my uh, screen time was down this week.
0: Really? Yes. Do you, like, you, you purposely track it every week?
1: Well, I get this report that I never asked for yeah. and sometimes it uh, it affects my happiness because I'm like, oh my God, when it's like super high, being like, it is increased by 11%. And then I think that's 11% that I'm not present with my family or my life or whatever. But you know, it is what it is. But this week I have some really wholesome content that I want to highlight. Samoa have returned home and they were greeted by fans at the airport and the scenes were Beautiful. that's something.
0: That's really special. You know what I was thinking about then? How cool would it be to be on a flight coming back through the international airport at that time? Like just any other passenger, you know?
1: It's so special. And fans and families have flocked to the airports to give the boys a very hearty welcome home. And uh, I'm sure it meant so much to the players because even as an outsider completely removed from it, it's really special to witness.
0: Really good pick. I love that one.
1: So if you want to check it out, head to the Daily Telegraph Instagram. It is currently sitting there on their feed. What about you, Hala? What's your fun, my guy?
0: Well, I'm sticking with the World Cup theme, and uh, I'm going to uh, the two-try scoring hero from the grand final in the Women's World Cup, Who? Kennedy Cherrington, otherwise known as King Chero, here on the ABC. Uh, she scored two tries in the final, as I mentioned. She had a really good World Cup for, mm-hmm. you, you said it off the top, she's had some challenges this year in terms of injuries, and it's been a long campaign, but she's just gone from strength to strength in terms of the NRLW season, earned herself a Jilla cap, and uh, she just... Wrapped everything up in a um, in a highlights package on her Instagram. She's a bit of a hype queen. She is a hype queen. She, she gets is excited. a hype queen. She's herself and she loves what she does. Like she loves playing the game and she loves the support she gets. And it was it was a joy to watch her do that.
1: Yes, congratulations, Kennedy. We can't wait to welcome back on the show, my girl. In the run tackling the tough headlines in sport on Can You Be More Pacific?
0: As we do, we get some tough headlines that we like to look at and uh, there's been a little bit happening in the world of sport. We'll start with the NRL and this is something that, coming off the back of uh, our social post, Kennedy Charrington, she, she copped a little bit of this at the beginning of the World Cup but Tino Faso Malaui, he's um, been criticised for electing to play for the Kangaroos over um, Samoa and he's, uh, he's spoken about the kind of impact that that had on him as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, he had the option to either play for Samoa or to play for the Kangaroos. And he's also one of three players within the squad alongside Marito Lange and Jeremiah Nanai um, that had inclusion in the Kangaroos, obviously had the opportunity to put their hand up for Samoa and chose not to. So they felt like they were stuck between a rock and a hard place. Um, but, I feel like it's so unfair that people were criticizing them for their decision to play for kangaroos, because if that's what they identify as home or the country that they want to play for, particularly if they're given a choice
0: to, there should be no shame in it. Yeah, you can't ignore that his mum's Australian and that he was there. It's repre- part of his heritage. He though. was here representing her and, um, you know, he, he made that decision and he was proud to do so and not to say that he's not proud Samoan because he's acknowledged that as well. Uh, so I, I think it's, it's, it's really unfair. and. Um, you know poor taste for people to attack him online uh, in such a way that, that it makes him feel you know feel bad for making a decision that you know that satisfies a big part of him
1: yeah, and on the same note Kennedy copped the the same amount um i guess of of what would you say like of, sh- of shame yeah, yeah yeah she she copped a fair bit of shaming online and also the likes of Shannon Meadow as well, but I think one thing that everyone needs to be aware of is that Choosing a jersey, like that's you can't measure how some how loyal someone is to their culture or their heritage, and by putting on a jersey is is no measure of that either. It's a choice that they get to make, and if they're given the opportunity um, to play for two different countries, whichever that they choose to put their hand up should be respected because at the end of the day, they're still representing a part of their their own identity.
0: Yeah, and I will say too that the um, there was some footage from uh, after the the game that uh, came from the Tulsa Samoa. Um, Instagram page of a number of the Australian players going into their sheds afterwards while uh, they did a siver and they, they had uh, some some drinks, some sports drinks and uh, Tino was one of them alongside Marita Alangi so uh, they, they still welcomed them in post-match um, just to sort of... I guess go over and, and celebrate what uh, you know, a great match it was.
1: You could only imagine how I guess how healing that was for those boys to know that they'd still be embraced by their Samoan brothers. So I think that's um a really strong show of sportsmanship and um community and that's what this game is about. So it's all the naysayers out there.
0: Shut it, Shanice. Well said. I like, shut it, Shanice. I like that. (laughs) Now, sticking, sorry, turning our attention to boxing and Justice Huni, who's a heavyweight boxing champion here in Australia. He's of Tongan heritage. He's actually uh, made a trip over to Tonga for the first time uh, to help support and raise awareness for boxing in Tonga, which is, uh, it's an awesome, I guess, uh, expedition for him.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He speaks so highly of his tongue and roots. And to be able to see someone with such a high profile return back to the motherland, you could only imagine the smiles that that put on those kids' faces. But his manager speaks openly about how Justice is very passionate about his people and empowering his youth. And I think the really cool thing about it is we know that boxing is up and coming, um, but to see more Pacifica players or not players, athletes, I guess, opt for that sport would be such a scene. And, you know, dare I say he's a bit of a trailblazer, and who knows the effect he had on those kids, and he'll pick up some gloves and get in the ring.
0: Yeah, and he, he also said it wasn't just about um, boxing in itself. Like, he just wanted to encourage kids to get involved in something, but his choice, obviously, is a uh, justice choice, is, is obviously boxing because of the lessons that he learns from it, and it helps him set goals and, and, and be, be dedicated to something. So, um, good luck to him. It's, it's great that he's able to do that. And with his profile, as you say, he can grow the sport of boxing in Tonga.
1: Yes, absolutely. Over to the NFL. A couple of Aussies have been selected as part of the NFL's 2023 international player pathway program.
0: Yeah, this has a, a, been a big focus now for the NFL for, for some time, knowing that the sport is, is really popular internationally. Um, and, there's a, there's a lot of cross-code sports that, that could translate their skills into NFL. So there's two Australians and one New Zealander that have been picked up into this year's International Player Pathway program. As you mentioned, Sarah, those guys are Patrick Murtagh from Australia. He's actually a punter, so he's a former NFL player that's looking to make his way over. It's Wale Louie from New Zealand and Dalitinya. Tali Tinga Amosa from Australia. Uh, They've got an opportunity to head over and show their wares with NFL scouts and and hopefully end up on a roster. Um, It's a really good opportunity. We've seen the likes of Jordan Molata go over there. And there's a number of punters that have gone over from Australia that have AFL backgrounds as well. And, um, you know, if you can crack it in the NFL, it's a really good way to set up your life. Yeah,
1: because I feel like they have big big value contracts over there. But that's a huge accomplishment for those boys um, to even get a look in at this, at this point. So we'll definitely be watching this space and hope to see them added to a roster in the near future.
0: Yeah, we'll keep an eye on them as the next season approaches. Now flipping our attention once more uh, to your sport, rugby.
1: Yes, the World Rugby Awards are currently happening or happened, sorry, um, a few days ago in Monaco. This was super, super exciting because it's the best of the best heading to one place. Um, there are a number of award categories. One I do want to make mention of is Try of the Year. Where one of our very own, our Walaroos flanker Emily Chancellor, was nominated for Tribe of the Year. Unfortunately, um, she did miss out, but there were some awesome, awesome um, achievements by Pacifica women um, that were recognized on the night. And Ruhai Dermott, she is the fly half for the Black Ferns. She was named the Fifteens Women's Player of the Year. Ruby Toy, we all know and love her. She was named Breakout Player of the Year. And Wayne Smith was, uh, he walked away with Coach of the Year. This is just, yes, it's the team that I don't like. It's not that I don't <laughs> like them, obviously, um.
3: Foes, they're your yeah foes. they're
1: my foes they 're my foes, but I love being able to see the girls recognized in such a way, and the truth of the matter is the black Ferns were outstanding throughout this test season, and then to walk away being known as the best in your sport is just something worth getting around so congratulations um to both of those girls, and honestly can 't wait to see where rugby goes because we have such we're in such is such an important time where we 've have all this momentum on the back of the Rugby World Cup. You know, people are talking about contracts. Australia is having that conversation too. These girls are becoming household names. Like this is the time to stay on the train because we've been waiting some time to have this kind of momentum and now we have it, we need to make the most of it.
0: I like that, Sarah. If the the governing bodies are listening, follow the momentum up and keep it going. Yes, you heard it here first, Dals.
1: Pacific on ABC Radio Australia and ABC Sport Digital Radio. Well, that's all we have time for, Hala.
0: Yes, but if you missed the show or you just want to listen to the magic again, it'll be replayed on Friday, 2 pm PNG time, or you can find all of our episodes on the Radio Australia website or wherever you listen to your podcasts.
1: If you want more sport, you can check out that Pacific Sports show on Wednesday night or catch up on ABC Australia iView. What there? What's all of here? Can you be more Pacific? An ABC sport production for ABC Radio Australia.
3: This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.